I'm Sienna. Uh, this is TMI, the Community Center for Your Secrets. I'm Annalise. I'm a failed theater kid turned civil servant. And my secret for this week is that my ex was on my Spotify raft list. <laughs> that is really good. I'm Sienna, and I am a two-year-old suck in an adult's body. And I will say that my partner, unprompted, referred to me as a child stuck in an adult's body literally yesterday. My secret this week is that I am secretly very proud of the fact that I can tie a cherry stem in my mouth. Yeah, you should be proud of that. Thank you. So today we're going to talk a bit about the secrets that we hold surrounding self-esteem and self-respect. Hey, talk about some things people have shared with us and our own version of that. Yeah. Talk about how we hold value around self-esteem and self-respect and interact with other people on that basis and how that contributes to the community that we're trying to build. So we define the self-esteem as your internal regard for yourself, how you perceive your worth, value, and goodness. And self-respect as your external regard for yourself, how you enact what you think you deserve. Yeah, so we were having this conversation the other night. We were talking about how we define love. Right. And I said that I would die for somebody, <laughs> and then I said, oh, that's actually a really low bar. I would <laughs> die for most people. <laughs> and then we got into mm-hmm. maybe I could have more self-respect and self-esteem. We were talking about this idea of love, and it was really interesting. There were like four of us, and we were all kind of like, oh, this is how I define it. This is how I define it. And it was very interesting because like, we weren't sure how to define it. And you were like, yeah. oh. I think it's this. Yours was kind of more concrete, which was interesting. And since that conversation, I wouldn't say that's how I define love (laughs) anymore. I feel very confused about it. It was interesting that we all had very different views of it. One Mm -hmm. of our friends said that you love somebody when they are adding like immense happiness to your life. Mm-hmm. Alyssa used the line that like when you lose somebody that you love, mm-hmm. a bit of your soul breaks, mm-hmm. not your heart. Oh, interesting. Um, I think because she was building off of the washing an elephant poem, which oh, yes. we'll, we'll share. And there's a line about how a lot of your like heartbreak and desire falls away over your life and mm. you don't know which are the true ones or the big ones until <laughs> enough time has passed that they, they leave an impact. And so... Because you need retrospect in order to have a feeling about it. Like, So I started to think about love more as it having like a big shaping impact on your soul and who mm-hmm. you are. Mm-hmm. And I think that maybe my cute lack of self-esteem and (laughs) self-respect let me kind of like uh, shelter myself from that impact a bit where I'm like you're not shaping who I am I just have no regard for myself in the context of this relationship and there's only been I think like a handful of friends my family and like one romantic partner that have shaped who you are yeah that's fascinating how many people do you think you've been in love with like romantically that like lowercase l love yeah that's gonna could grow into something bigger whether Mm -hmm. it does or not I'd say four okay four that were big l loves no four that were little l loves okay I one that's big l only one that's big l yeah whoa yeah in your whole life yeah I think I do a good job at faking big l love Whoa, Annalise, that's insane. The no, more that like I've thought about it, what I, thought I know. Was gonna be. But the more that I've thought about it, like, like letting it shape who you are and kind of leaving a permanent mark, there's only one person that romantically I would be like, there is a piece of me that you still have that will, like, wow. walk around with you forever, and there's a piece of you that will stay with me forever. That's wild. I'm shook. Like, for me, yeah. I'm trying to think. <laughs> I think. Yeah, I think four, but four big L's. 
But I don't think I have any little L's. I'm all or nothing. <laughs> Do you feel like you've that those big L's were little L's first that grew? Yeah. And what if it had gotten like cut off before it grew? I probably just would have forgotten about them and not considered mm, them. It would have like fallen away. Yeah. Like I don't think I can think back to like how I felt about someone with the possibility of loving them because I don't think it's important to me, so I didn't like keep that in my mm. wow. like, record. <laughs> I think my, like, one long-term relationship was always, like, a little L. Mm-hmm. Like, we never connected on a on a deep enough level for that yeah. to grow. Okay, wait. Do you, you know the song Case of You by Joni Mitchell? No. <gasps> Annalise! I don't know a lot of Joni Mitchell, yeah. and if you send it to me, I will listen. This is, okay, this is actually a good moment. The dividing line between us is Joni Mitchell versus Taylor Swift. Have you heard Tolerate It? Maybe. Probably not. Stop lying. But anyway, in Case of You, it's my favorite song. The lyrics are incredible. I think you should just read the lyrics. Because there's a quote, yeah, there's a quote in it that's, you said, love is touching souls, and clearly you touch mine because part of you pours out of me in these lines from time to time. I know. It's fucking good. (laughs) Oh, God. I think about that quote, like, daily. Yeah, Yeah, I would think about that all the time. I think in the past, since since starting to think about love as that type of, like, touched and shaped my soul, Mm -hmm. I've cried more over a past breakup than I have my most recent breakup. That makes sense. Last week, because I'm like, oh, you got to admit that that had an impact (laughs) that I was trying to run away from. Yeah. 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 So that's on love. So then we started talking about self-esteem and self-respect kind of in the context of love and relationships. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't have self-esteem and respect for yourself, it's harder to stand up for your your needs. I don't know. I think it got a little convoluted. The low self-respect came up because I did an emotional intelligence test for a scholarship program at the start of undergrad Mm -hmm. and they had us go see a therapist with our emotional intelligence results Mm -hmm. and the therapist was like, you have dangerously low (laughs) self-respect <laughs> and me, a Mennonite, was like, thank you. So humble. Oh, no. I don't need anything. I'll never ask you for anything. And all these other people were walking around with their high self-respect. And I was like, stop showing that to people. Like, And I still have a little wow. bit of that inside of me where I'm like, you shouldn't like yourself. And but you I- shouldn't act like you do. But that's like a very old feeling. Yeah, a very old feeling. And like, a- I think I feel that, but with self-esteem. When people have high self-esteem, I'm like, get over mm. yourself. I think I am easier on self-respect than I am on self-esteem. But I think my self-esteem is growing a little bit more than my self-respect is. Because right. I don't have the practice yeah. in doing it. But yeah, we were talking about that in the context of love. And I think in the context of romantic relationships, I kind of like dissolve as a person in a relationship. I just can't even conceptualize how it works. I should figure this out before I go on a date tonight. <laughs> you said that you have high self-respect. Yeah, but high self-esteem. Exactly, high high self-respect, low self-esteem. And you can put your needs mm. ahead of somebody, or like right. you can, you can navigate your needs in a relationship. Yeah, like I think I have this like internal belief that my needs matter no matter what, and I don't know where that comes from. Like I don't yeah. know why I feel that so strongly because I'm like I'm shit. I'm a shit person. I'm just mm-hmm. a pile of poop inside a body. Mm-hmm. But I as a human deserve to be treated well. I feel like I deserve care and love and respect from other people. Mm-hmm. But then I can't give that to myself. That's the conundrum. So you don't know where that came from? I have no idea where that came from. I think that as a kid, I always felt like I couldn't ask for anything. I don't even think it was my parents that taught me this. I think I just like absorbed this where I was like, I'm not allowed to have anything. Like I'm not allowed to ask for anything. So I just like felt like I had to like meet all of my own needs. And then as I got older, I was so desperate to find somebody who could meet my needs. 
So then I think I tend to like dump that on a romantic partner. I think it, someone else could react the opposite to having parents or having a childhood like that. But like for me, what ended up happening was that instead of like perpetuating that, I like went all the way to the other side. Yeah, we kind of started out from the same point. Yeah. And then mine is like, I'll have like malleable needs. So like whatever you can right. give me, I'll say that that's enough and that fits because I don't yeah. want to ask for anything. Yeah. And is it because you have the belief that no one will give it to you? Like they can't give it to you? I think I don't deserve it. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I think for me, it was a bit of the deserving thing, but it was also this feeling of like, they just won't be able to. And then I got to a point where I was like, no, fuck that. Like, they should be able to. <laughs> what needs do you feel like they won't be able to? Like, meet my emotional needs. And if I think about at least my one long-term relationship, I did a lot of like asking for my needs. Mm-hmm. I also wonder how much the person I started dating at 20 for yeah. five years really shaped a lot of this. Yeah. In a way that, that my childhood didn't necessarily, or like my childhood had an impact, but like that had a big impact. Mm-hmm. Um, I would do a lot of asking for my needs, especially at the start, and I would just like give a plea for what I needed and watch them like ignore it. Then you learn that you can't get it. Yeah, that asking for it does nothing. I think that started to change, but having a group of friends where people are like, no, I'm mad for you that you're not getting what you need. <laughs> yeah. I'm mad for you that this isn't happening. Yeah. Where it, like, it gives you a different view of yourself. You're yeah. like, oh, I am a person that people love and care about. Yeah, it helps. So our poll results said that 36% of people that answered our poll had high self-esteem and self-respect. I thought that would be lower. Me too. I just assumed most people don't have both. But I guess it's like attachment styles. They say that most people have a secure attachment, which always shocks me. Really? Yeah. Like the highest percentage of people have a secure attachment. (laughs) So there's hope. Would you say you have a secure attachment Mm -mm. style? No. Absolutely not. Do you say you're working towards that? Yeah. Yeah, because I I used to be anxious avoidant. So not anxious or avoidant, but both together, which is like the most turbulent. (laughs) Yeah. So like I will fluctuate between like being extra needy and being like super pushing someone away. But I've gone much better. And now I'm like, it's like I'm secure until I'm not. It's not, I'm not only one or the other. I'm now like mostly secure until one or the other comes into play. What about you? Probably like mainly anxious. Mm -hmm. And again, I don't know how much of that was defined by like that one long-term relationship. But I've noticed like in the the dating I've done since then. I don't know if I'm anxious or I'm just right. (laughs) Because in the two relationships I've had since then, in both of them, I've at one point tried to break up with them because I'm like, this is what's happening and it's not, you're not going to change direction. And they've been like, no, I want to try. And then within the span of a couple weeks, they've been like, sit down, I have something to tell you. But it's like almost that you're so in tune with the other person and like so perceptive of someone else's emotions that you're anticipating what's going to happen. And then it ends up happening. So then you feel like you've like, oh, I knew it all along. Yeah. Which is like maybe not like a problem, but like maybe it's like your own worst enemy, you know? Yeah, exactly. I want to be careful that I don't like let that self-sabotage. Exactly. Or that like having brought it up and somebody was like, no, let's keep trying or like keep doing this. I didn't get hurt more by waiting around. Right. Like I'm actually okay that we didn't do that and I was always wondering if maybe I was wrong. Yeah. I'm a little bit thankful that they proved it to me and like, I don't know, I think I'm less scared of being hurt than I used to be, which I think is also like a sign that my self-respect and self-esteem are improving. And I think like from the last breakup, I feel like we've seen that even. You're like, I'm good. (laughs) 
Okay, so with low self-esteem and self-respect, with the other three combinations, it was tied with 21%. Low self-esteem and low self-respect, high self-esteem and low self-respect, and low self-esteem and high self-respect, all 21%. I'm gonna tell this story. When I was a kid, because I have low self-esteem but high self-respect and I like learned to have it, I remember being a kid and like crying because I really wanted dessert, but I was too scared to ask for it. Oh, <laughs> and, and it was like, I felt like I didn't deserve to have it, but I also felt embarrassed for having the need and the want. Mm-hmm. It was like all wrapped up in the shame. And it wasn't that, yeah. it wasn't about the dessert. It was like about asking for something, like something that I wanted that wasn't something that wasn't necessary. What did you think the impact was that you would be like a burden? I think it was like, oh, you should know better to ask for that. Like, you know, you're not allowed to have dessert. Why would you ask for that? Like, that's embarrassing. And that's why my parents were like, you're such a good kid. Like, I was the good kid. Mm -hmm. Because I just didn't ask for anything. We know a couple people, Noah's one of them, that has high self-esteem but low Low self-respect. Which I find so interesting. I'm like, you love yourself, but you don't think anyone else should love you? What? Yeah, and I feel a bit more... (laughs) I tend to feel judgy about high self-esteem in other people sometimes when it comes off as like having a big ego. Cocky, yeah. But these people that we're thinking of, I don't think about that way. Me neither. At all. I'm like, that's healthy self-esteem. Well, and it's interesting because like Alyssa has the same high self-esteem and lower self-respect, but I think hers are more balanced. It's interesting. Like I definitely think that she does the thing where she's like, I don't need to ask for my needs right now because I can take care of myself, Mm -hmm. which I do think can lead to like issues or like feeling like you don't get your needs met. But I feel like she's pretty good about doing it with people she cares about. And I think with Noah, I think he's more like from what I've gathered from him and what he's told me is that like it's more like, no, I just can't. Like I actually can't even go there to ask for like what what my needs are. Do you feel like you know what your needs are in a relationship? Like in a relationship? Yes, some of the time. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, yeah, I used to like to think that I wasn't needy. I am. <laughs> and same. I think that's okay. I felt the same way. I was like, I can't be needy. I and know, I'm like, I no, I'm needy. Yeah. The bar is so low, partially because of past relationship experiences, where I'm yeah. like, if you think I'm attractive, tell me. Yeah. And like, that feels like a need to me instead of just like a, a basic. normal thing yeah. that happens in a relationship. <laughs> I think it's really hard to know what your needs are because they change totally and i think it's hard to know what a need is versus a want yeah like i think sometimes i turn my wants into needs i'm seeing a pattern do tell (laughs) in men not all men not all men not all men not where a terrible at knowing and asking for their needs yes and like a weird fear of it indicating responsibility or like tying them to somebody else that like mm. needs indicate commitment where totally. like if you ask for somebody to do something for you yeah you're now obligated to that person yeah but i think that is part of building relationships exactly. that brings us closer, closer. that is so a true. really distinct step in building a relationship when you owe somebody else something yeah you're tying yourself to that person for potentially forever but like settling that debt means that you can leave at any time and i think too that there's like this sense of it's really vulnerable to say what those are too Mm -hmm. and so i think that there's a sense of like well it's easier if i don't and like i can take care of it for myself and it would tie me to you and all that stuff And then it's like, I also don't know how to even do it if I wanted to. The step past that I've seen is men that can articulate what their needs are, but don't know how to negotiate it in the context of a relationship. Right. Where it's like, (laughs) this is my need, I need this. And then they're like, I did it, wonderful, it's done, I've had that conversation. But 
people are so complicated and we have such complicated needs, it's gonna require negotiation. Sometimes yeah. your partner can fill it for you, sometimes they can't. And that <laughs> negotiation part is vulnerable. It is. It's so vulnerable. Noah does this thing where he'll like, let's say he wants to play a video game or something. He'll just start doing it and then I'll be like, whoa, we, like, are we gonna hang out? Because there's not been a conversation. And yeah. I'm like, if he just told me, hey, I'm gonna play video games for 20 minutes, mm-hmm. I'd be like, okay, cool, I'm gonna go do something else. But because if he doesn't say it, like, this is my need right now to play the mm-hmm. video game or even a want, then I get hurt. And I'm like, actually, if you told me, even though that might feel worse, because it feels like you're saying, now I'm gonna do this regardless, yeah. it makes me feel better yeah. because then I know, I now know what we're going into. People don't always realize the security and agency it gives to somebody else when you articulate yeah. what your needs are. Yeah. How do we teach men to be vulnerable? That's How? a question we have Every day. for our listeners. There you go. Right in. <laughs> right in. How? If you are a man or if you know no men, men, if you've heard of them, <laughs> if you've seen them before... <laughs> How do you teach them to be vulnerable, teach them that, like, it's okay? We're so scared of being hurt by being vulnerable with another person Yeah. that we stop ourselves from being hurt so often. And finally, when you do get hurt in that way, it's actually not that not big that of a bad. deal. In my last relationship, I was, like, trying to anticipate them leaving because I was like, then I can get ready to, mm. like, shelter myself from that. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, you know what? I I need to let go of this. And I wasn't anticipating it, and I felt blindsided by it. I felt it was appropriate because we weren't, like, we hadn't discussed the type of relationship we were in, so I don't think he owed me anything more, but it did feel out of the blue. And I realized that it didn't hurt. Like, it didn't hurt as much as I thought it would. The thing that I was scared of is not as devastating as I think it is, but you have to let yourself actually be hurt by it to know how to handle it. At least that's so true. (laughs) One of our friends recently was in a situation where they didn't want to feel hurt over something or like anger over something and a thing happened and eventually they felt angry about it Mm -hmm. and I was like see you got hurt like you were vulnerable about it you let yourself get hurt you got angry about it and and you're okay yeah and like so you don't actually have to shield yourself from it as much as you think you do because you can let it happen and We're fine, actually. Oh, okay. I know I keep talking about Noah, but, like, this has happened a lot with us recently. We're, like, we'll get into, like, a quote-unquote fight. I'll say something, like, you did this thing and it hurt me, and I'm so easy, like, to say that. I don't find it hard. And I've worked on that. I used to find it hard, and I don't anymore, and it's just something I do. And then, like, he'll come out with something, like, oh, well, you do this, and it bothers me. And then I'm, like, right, right now what's happening is we're fighting, and it feels bad. And it feels bad because you now feel resentful because you didn't bring up a thing. And if you had, and we had gone through it, and then I was doing this now bring up my thing and we were able to go through it we'd both feel better but now we both feel worse because my needs aren't getting met and your needs aren't getting met he does understand intellectually but he has he's not there yeah and it's hard but it's so much better if you can say it because then we can both get to a place of feeling better otherwise you just never get to feel better one thing I've learned from my close friendships is that the other person can do something where I feel hurt or I can do something that hurts the other person and then we can like talk about it and move past it. And so I have that comfort mm-hmm. that like if somebody mm-hmm. in a romantic relationship says you did this and it hurt me, yeah, I feel like the intention here is that you shared how you felt yeah, and now we can work on it together. But I'm sure if you have a lot of friendships in your life that don't have those types of conversations. Totally. Somebody saying I feel hurt feels like blame and an attack and is rocking the stability of something. I think it's also interesting too that like you can hear criticism and be like oh that means I'm bad instead of like Mm -hmm. oh I did something that hurt you. I have a question about that for you. Yeah. Both as people with low Mm self-esteem do you have a hard time hearing criticism 
criticism and not thinking that you're bad. Because I think my self-esteem is so low, I'm like, yeah, I deserve it. Yeah. So then it turns all the way to like, oh, tell me. Like, I, I know I yeah. need to hear it. Sometimes I definitely get defensive because I'm like... Yeah, oh, you're telling me I'm a bad person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because that comes in. Yeah, I wonder if having a lower self-esteem is helpful for that, where you're like, <laughs> well, yes, I'm glad we're both seeing the same thing. Let's, I would also like to change this. But I feel like it's bad because it's like, it's making it about you and not about the other person. Yeah, exactly. I was just thinking about this today. I feel like I shut down when I feel like I've done something wrong. Yeah. Because I, I so badly don't want to make my feelings somebody else's responsibility yes. but I don't know how to go forward with it I don't want you to see me cry because I don't want you to <laughs> feel bad that might be the worst feeling actually yeah when someone else calls you up for something that you know is true and then you feel shit about it and you can't yeah. fix it and you all you can do is apologize but then you also feel emotional and so you don't want to put your emotions on them worst yeah. situation ever I was thinking about moments in a past relationship that I did like mm. when I'm thinking about what I want mm. moving forward. I am notoriously bad for making fun of romantic <laughs> partners in front of other people in groups. And that's mm. kind of my family dynamic is like yeah. you don't want to seem too prideful and you don't want your family members or like the people that you're associated <laughs> with to be too prideful. We, we'd make a lot of jokes about each other right. in front of other people right. to like knock down somebody yeah, yeah, yeah. a peg. Mm-hmm. I was with an ex who had pointed it out very nicely the mm-hmm. f- very first time that I did it. He was like, hey, there's some other couples in my life that I really admire the way that they don't do this. Interesting. Can we work on that? And then it, it happened again like a couple months later. <laughs> we were like in a book club and somebody said something nice about him or about something that he had done. <laughs> and I was like, mm, well, here's the bad thing about that thing that he did. <laughs> And, like, oh, he God. just kind of, like, ignored me. And I couldn't look at anybody else for the rest of oh. the time. Like, I immediately knew what I had done. I was like, yeah. that's not the kind of person I want to be. Oh. I felt so much guilt about it. And on the subway back to my place, I was just, like, sitting there trying not to cry. He was like, hey, like, we both saw what happened. Yeah, that wasn't great. But, like, I know you feel bad about it and I know you're working on it. So, like, I don't, like, I'm fine. And I was like, huh. Wow. So I did, like, that, like, freeze and shut down. And he was like, it's fine. I admire that he did that. That's a dynamic I hadn't experienced before. Yeah. And moving forward in a relationship, that's a thing that I'm looking for. That's me trying to raise the bar above, like, just being kind to me. Yeah. That, to me, is so hard. And I think it comes back to the whole high self-respect thing. I'm like, how dare you do it to me? How dare you? (laughs) I think part of his... Ability to do that was at the time he kind of perceived the relationship as fake fake <laughs> so I wonder if in like a higher stake scenario where it wasn't didn't have a set deadline to end right if that would have been different or like could he had still have that level of patience yeah I bet that that helped you immensely to a get over it but also to remember to do it again the next time the higher stakes you make of it I think oftentimes the more likely you are to fail and so by lowering the stakes and like yeah you did the thing I said not to do but that doesn't mean that like Mm -hmm. I'm angry or like I'm gonna threaten to walk away it just means I know that we're on the same page about it and you're working on it and that you can let it go yeah and just let it go yeah it makes me think about like in my my last relationship that ended he was like basically you need to get better you need to change like I can't do this anymore and because there was so much pressure on it I there was like and I truly believe this there was not any situation any way I ever could have gotten better in that situation and then as soon as it was just me and I was just doing the work living my life being like the only person that this matters to was me that's when I was able to actually like 
make a difference. Yeah, I think you need comfortable spaces to grow Mm -hmm. as a person. You can't do it under pressure. Or some people can't do it under pressure. I was thinking about last night, even my family has commented on this, that I've gotten like a lot more blunt in the last year. Previous to that, in a long-term relationship (laughs) that I was in, I keep talking about that, I felt like I had to watch my words constantly. But I was kind of like a blunt or like loose-lipped kid. (laughs) I just said whatever was on my mind. And I learned as I like got older that like when you're a teenager, like you can't say whatever you want. And then in that relationship, I was like, I have to be so careful about what I say. And in the past year, I think I've gotten a lot more blunt and a lot more open. I think I swung a bit too far (laughs) one way. No, (laughs) absolutely not. I love it. And I hope you get more blunt. (laughs) There's been some scenarios where I'm like, I don't think I wanted to be that blunt. I think Uh, I could have watched it a bit more. Not thinking uh, about what other people are thinking of me, but that's because for so long, everything I did was going to be attributed to like some sort of moral standard. My ex used to give me percentages and be like, I'm 10% committed. I'm 50% committed. What the fuck? So it feels so freeing to be with people and like in relationships where I am not being judged. So I've swung a bit this way and now I feel like I can kind of taper it back. I can figure out who I want to be Mm -hmm. and I'm making those decisions because of who I want to be, Mm -hmm. not because I'm under pressure that our Mm -hmm. friendships will end. Yeah, that makes sense. And do you feel like you're only able to be that blunt and go that far because you trust that we're not going to leave you? Yeah, exactly. exactly. And that that I think comes back to this thing I feel about self-respect. I think that the reason I feel like I have such high respect is because I can like almost practice it with the people that I'm super Mm. close to even if I don't even necessarily think I should get all those things I'm like no but I need to know you're willing to do it that's why I feel like I've been building a sense of self-respect and self-esteem over the last year or two is because I'm like I have a group that I can practice it with like the stakes of enacting self-respect it's a safe place to figure out how to be a person yeah and how to care for other people and be cared for now we're kind of into gossip Mm -hmm. so that piece about navigating it in friendships how do we balance self self-esteem and self-respect with other people's needs Mm -hmm. and how do we know what we owe to others and what do we owe to ourselves I think it's a really hard balance I think that's something I'm struggling with with the whole self-respect thing do you think you need to work on having higher self-esteem it's like I know I do but then at the same time I'm like ah but it doesn't matter like I tell myself that it doesn't actually matter but then do you feel like you're lying when you're enacting self-respect if you're like I need these things but I think I'm a shitty person but you think people deserve (laughs) things even if they are a shitty person I think so okay I think for the most part I I mean and you know what maybe I do fake my own self-esteem I wonder if I like pretend I have high self-esteem so I can like get through the world how would you fake self-esteem it feels like a purely internal thing (laughs) you're right I get what you mean like sometimes I walk around and I'm like I'm the fucking best (laughs) if I'm feeling good enough before a date or something I'm like they're gonna be blown away by me like <laughs> but they will I think it helps with friends where I'm like kind of repeating things that I've heard from friends my inner dialogue is so much made up of what I've heard from other people and so it kind of feels like faking it because I'm like hmm. I didn't come up with these thoughts naturally on my own. I wonder sometimes if I'm faking my low self-esteem and self-respect because I was raised to value humility so much. <laughs> Sorry, that's funny. I was thinking about when I did the poetry thing. So I did this poetry reading and I was like, I had to submit my poetry and then like I got accepted and then I had to write a poem and perform it. And I didn't necessarily feel like my poem was good. Like I didn't have that internal feeling of like, this is good and like, I'm going to be good. But I also have this feeling of like, I really want and hope that people tell me it's good. Is that high self-respect or is that just that I need external validation because I don't have it internally? Am I seeking my own self-esteem from other people? I think we all do to a degree. 
True. There's something particular with art or like with sharing things, with like taking up space where I feel like I can write a poem or I can do something and be proud of it in private. And if I'm going to take up other people's time and energy to show it to them, I want Mm -hmm. them to think that it was worth it. Yeah. That doesn't necessarily change whether I think it was good or not. I want them to think that engaging with me and hearing what I had to say was worth it for them. When people are like, oh, wow, good job. Or like, that doesn't change the internal feeling. Yeah. It makes me feel glad because I feel then calm. Like I didn't ruin anything. And I think probably why at least performing self esteem is reassuring to other people where you're like I don't need you to give me validation that I want you to engage with me. I get scared though because I've been told my whole life like especially as a kid that I was very confident. Teachers, parents, other kids there was this narrative that I was confident. It's very interesting in this context of self-respect self-esteem because I'm like I never had the self-esteem. I think I just always had some of this self-respect. Do you feel like then you kind of got encouraged to have that like you would show a bit of self-respect and everyone was like Sienna this is really good and you were like okay let me show the self-respect but nobody talked to you about the deeper aspect of that and I think it made me feel guilty and then it made me feel like I couldn't share that part of me Mm. but also I think I have this feeling now where I'm like I don't want people to see that in me not just because I want them to know that I suffer but also because I'm like I don't want them to think that I'm better than them I don't want them to beat themselves up because they see me as successful in being that because I'm like I'm not some role model for confidence oh my god (laughs) there's a poem I wrote (gasps) oh Jesus I'm forcing Anna to read it now might cut it out. It's so <laughs> dramatic. My god, the trope they keep asking me to play is getting fucking tired. A naive symbol of love, kindness, and purity. Everything they want to see in the world and in others. They built the pedestal before they ever even met me. It's not meant for a life partner and it couldn't fit someone whole and human. Mm-hmm. It's a display case designed to hold the broken disaster of the love they destroyed, to perpetually reflect the lessons they learned. And I'm running out of desire to pretend that my ability to smile through pain signals some sort of purity. Oh. And don't revere me just to smash me to pieces. Mm-hmm. Don't tell me to shine just to shield your eyes. And don't sweep me off my feet just to collapse under the weight of us. My love existed long before you. It existed while you held me. And it will exist long after you. Do not mistake it for something that belongs to you that won't hurt you. My love is not as delicate as it looks. Its edges are sharp and it will cut deep. Wow. Structurally, it could the, use some work. Who cares? That's <laughs> irrelevant. I relate to that so hard. I think this is an indicator that I'm starting to have some self-respect yeah, and self-esteem. Yeah. Where I'm like, don't talk me up and not be able to have me in your life. I think, too, like, to me, when I heard that, I kept thinking, like, meh, Pixie Dream Girl. Being, like, subjected to men's ideas of you and just yeah. being like, hey, hello, I'm here. I'm yeah. fucking here. And then being like, no, you're here. My yes. brain. And you're like, excuse me. <laughs> here. <laughs> Interesting, I wrote that almost a month before a breakup where the person used a metaphor of me being like pure, untainted, unformed. <laughs> It, yeah. it was just interesting that, like, I worry that people will see me as that. Specifically yeah. romantic partners. Yeah. And I'm like, then I don't fit into your life long term ever. How could I? Because you're not I seeing can't. They're not yeah. seeing you. Yeah. Did you feel like that as a kid? That people were, like, holding you up? Or oh, they were, like, yeah. You're so, yeah. And you felt I like you couldn't I think that's why I broke. My parents always say that. They were like, you were the perfect child. Everything was great until it wasn't. It was, like, good, 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 good. And then everything started to fall apart. And then it exploded. Did it, like, explode all at once and everything changed? Mm, or no. did you, like, you 
had periods where you would break. I think it was like once I got into high school, things started to go bad. And then late high school, early university, everything exploded. Mm. Like I just couldn't function because yeah. I was like, I don't know how to do this. Like I don't know how to be me. And I mean, this is so fucking yeah. four of us, but like, I don't know how to be me. I don't know who I am. I don't know how to balance like my own internal sense of self yeah. and my external sense of self. I feel so at loss. When I had to start like navigating the world on my own, I was like, I feel not ready for this. Mm. The world is has more forces trying to like push me to be somebody else or something different than I realized and I yeah. don't know how to say no. I don't know how to define yeah. what is me and what is other people. And I think this comes very much to community because I think that especially us as individuals, we're always trying to figure out how we fit into the whole picture. Yeah. I think to have accurate and attainable self-esteem and self-respect, yeah. you need the context of a good community. Yeah. I think about people that feel really detached from their community but mm -hmm. have high self-esteem and self-respect. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's a bit easier, unrealistic. Your self-respect is now preventing attachment or mm -hmm. your self-esteem isn't actually of the things that people care about. You have high self-esteem about things that don't matter to the people around mm -hmm. you. But I think building it in the context of a community lets you connect far better. I think too that if you have a hot, really high self-respect it can create walls too. Yes. I've noticed that within myself. Like I think sometimes I'll be like, I have a boundary, I have a need, and then that cuts off the opportunity to be a part of a community. Cause I'm like, no, I, I can't get hurt or whatever. And it's like, well, right. but maybe what we're talking about earlier, getting hurt is not bad. Yeah, and I think it can swing too far the other way where having yeah. really low self-respect, I think lands me in relationships where people feel like they don't know who they're dating. Yeah, yeah. Or that they can step all over you. Yeah, where I, I don't exist as a separate person and so that's not, not a balanced connection. Where, like, mm, do you feel like yeah. your self-respect is the only thing shielding you from kind of falling apart? Me? Because the, yeah, because the self-esteem is lower. If you had higher self-esteem, it could like take a hit. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but it is interesting like talking to you about it because like I've seen glimpses where you're like, oh no, like, I have this part of my figured out. Like this part of my self-esteem yeah. is good. And this part of my self-respect is good. Yeah. So it's interesting seeing how like you've kind of been able to like grow in certain places, but then not in others. Yeah. But then they're both seeming to develop together, which is cool. Yeah, I think they both are. I wish so badly that all of our friends could like watch video clips of me in a relationship. I want to do like coaching play-by-play -play feedback. Like <laughs> roll the tape, tell me how to change that. Cause I just can't do it quite the same in a relationship. I want nothing more. I would pay money. Can you bring a recording device to your date tonight? <laughs> Yeah, so that kind of brought us back around to community. How we value self-esteem and self-respect, how we build it, how we see it in ourselves, really affects our relationships with other people, the mm -hmm. kind of intimacy that we can build. And communities can both help and hinder it. Like you said, your relationships have caused you to have worse self-esteem, but then ones that have caused you to have better self-esteem. And then how our friends have also helped. Allowing yourself to let people in enough that they can help you, but not enough so that they hurt you. Or if they hurt you, mm. we can repair that hurt. That's a good point too. Yeah, so that's our episode for this this week. Should we come up with a prompt for next week? Like, yeah, do you wanna ask a question? If we have one. What is something you've learned from somebody in your community mm. that's had the biggest impact on your self-esteem or how nice. you practice self-respect? Any kind of relationship that you've been in. Yeah. In your community, yeah. Give us your music uh, submissions because we need that intro-outro music, baby. We still need this. It's just going to be like an awkward fade-out. <laughs> Every time. Awkward fade-out. <laughs>